Hello everyone and welcome to Christchurch Selly Park. Today is the last in our series on the character of Christ and we're thinking about his compassion. As we turn our hearts and minds to worship God, I'd like to read the first part of a psalm of praise, Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God and King. I will praise your name for ever and ever. Every day I will praise you and exalt your name for ever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendour of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendour of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises, and faithful in all he does. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your amazing love and compassion towards us. As we think back over the past week, we know that we have not always worshipped you, our Creator. We have not always followed Christ, our Saviour. We have not always trusted in the Spirit, our Guide. Lord, have mercy. We are sorry and ask for your forgiveness and your strength to live in your ways. Thank you for your goodness to us and for your assurance of grace. Amen. We're going to hear more now about Jesus' compassion as Alan brings us our reading and Graham speaks to us. A reading from Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Good morning, Christchurch. In our current series of reflections, we've been considering aspects of Jesus' character, and today we're considering his compassion. In the Gospels, we're told numerous times that Jesus either had compassion for people, or that his heart was moved 
when he saw how other people were distressed and suffering. So here are just some examples. In our reading today, we were told that Jesus travelled throughout the towns of, and villages of Galilee. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. It's another time after Jesus heard about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew to a solitary place so that he could grieve and be alone. But the crowds followed him. But Jesus didn't send them away. Instead, he had compassion on them and healed those who were sick. And when Jesus approached a town called Nain, he came across a funeral procession for a young man. Jesus saw the young man's mother, a widow, and his heart went out to her. Jesus told the mother, don't cry. And then he raised the young man back to life and gave him to his mother. And before the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus looked out on the crowd and said to his disciples, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. He then asked the disciples to feed the crowd. And as Jesus left Jericho, two blind men call out to Jesus, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them, but were told that Jesus had compassion on them and healed them. And two final examples. When Jesus saw Mary, the sister of Lazarus, crying after he had died, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and he wept. And finally, as Jesus approached Jerusalem on the way to the cross, he was filled with compassion for all the people in that city. And again, he wept. Those are not isolated examples. Time and time again, we read how Jesus had compassion for people. This was not something that only happened a few times. It was a common theme throughout his life. J.C. Ryle, in his commentary on Matthew's Gospel, notes, Of all the feelings experienced by our Lord when, on, when upon the earth, there is none so often mentioned as compassion. He goes on to say, This was the distinguishing feature of his character. The expression used for the word compassion in the Gospels is a strong one, and it's a slightly strange one for us. It derives from the word for entrails or intestines. This is because for the Jews of that day, this is where our deepest emotions were seated. Today, I think we're more likely to speak of having our hearts moved with compassion. And that's certainly how some modern versions of the Bible translate the expression. But for the Jews of Jesus' day, compassion was a deep-seated gut instinct that derived from the very depths of our being. It is this deeply felt empathy and compassion that Jesus felt when he saw others who were distraught or distressed. And Jesus experienced compassion in many different situations. He felt compassion for individuals. He felt compassion for crowds. He even felt compassion for whole cities. 
As I've considered the times when Jesus experienced compassion, three things have stood out to me. The first is that Jesus' compassion was motivated by seeing the distress of others. At times, the disciples were irritated by the crowd surrounding Jesus. At other times, they seemed to resent individuals who demanded his attention. But Jesus never turned anyone away. Instead, he gives them his wholehearted, undivided attention and has compassion on them. I don't think anyone has ever seen like Jesus did. I think it's one of the greatest miracles in life that God pays attention to us. Now it's possible that I don't have your full undivided attention at this moment. It is possible. But each of us does have God's undivided attention. When we come to God, he turns his face to look at us. There is not the smallest detail in our life that is not of immense interest to God. Jesus clearly sees people around him and he has compassion for them. The second thing that stood out to me is that Jesus' compassion meant he entered into other people's pain. Our word compassion literally means with suffering. Through his compassion, Jesus empathised with others in their pain and distress. At times Jesus rejoiced with others, but at other times he grieved with them. And when he saw others in tears, he wept with them. Having compassion for another person's suffering or distress means entering into that person's pain and suffering. There's a vulnerability about allowing ourselves to experience heartfelt compassion for another person. When we care deeply for another person, we will suffer when they suffer. I think there may be times when we want to withdraw or protect ourselves from the pain of others. But Jesus never did that. He loved everyone he met and he felt the pain of other people. Jesus doesn't protect himself from the suffering of our world. Instead, he fully enters into our suffering and distress. It's because he cares for us that Jesus experiences the brokenness and distress that we all feel at times. So Jesus' compassion was motivated by seeing others. His compassion meant he entered into other people's pain. And thirdly, Jesus' compassion always led to action. Jesus not only saw and felt the pain of others, he responded as well. Out of his compassion, Jesus intervened to relieve the suffering of those around him. In fact, every time Jesus felt compassion, he was compelled to act. Jesus healed the sick who came to him. He raised the young man at Nain and he raised Lazarus back to life. He fed the 5,000. He restored the sight of the two blind men at Jericho. He wept over Jerusalem, but he continued on his journey to the cross. Jesus sees our need and feels our pain, and he acts out of compassion. In this series of reflections, we've been looking at the human attributes of Jesus. And it's certainly true that without compassion for others, we become less than human. But as we look at Jesus, we see God more clearly.
Time and again in the Old Testament, we're told that God is a God of compassion. As the prophet Amos declares to sinful Israel, God says, how can I hand you over, Israel? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. The compassion of Jesus is not simply human pity, it's divine compassion. When we see Jesus having compassion on those around him, when we see Jesus in tears for the suffering of others, we catch a glimpse of the deep compassion of God himself. Compassion is primarily a divine attribute. Again, the Old Testament often describes God having human qualities and characteristics. We're told that God has hands and feet. We're told that God has eyes that see and a heart that is moved. But does God really have hands and feet? Does he really have eyes that see and a heart that is moved? The answer is, in Jesus, he does now. In Jesus, we see the full compassion of God himself. To me, to worship a God of compassion is deeply reassuring. I wouldn't want to worship any other type of God. But God's compassion is also uncompromising. When Jesus cleared the temple, he was acting out of compassion. He was compassionate for the people being exploited and denied access to his father. When Jesus confronts the Pharisees of his day with hypocrisy, he was acting out of compassion. He was compassionate for the people weighed down, trying to follow legalistic regulations and being shown no mercy. And Jesus warned his disciples that the things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. At times, Jesus' compassion was demanding and challenging. So what does all this mean for us today? Well, first, we can take comfort that God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Even though we have experienced many difficulties and hardships during this pandemic, we can have confidence that God remains compassionate and merciful. He does see our need. He does identify with our suffering and he is active on our behalf. But second, we're called to be compassionate to those around us. We're called to be like Jesus. We're to be attentive to the needs of others. We're to draw alongside others and enter into their lived experiences. We're to be active in relieving suffering and distress. I think this is a particular challenge for modern Christians. It's a challenge today because we're bombarded with the needs of others. We see the needs of others on the television. We hear about the needs of others on the radio. We read about the needs of others on social media and in the newspapers. It seems wherever we turn, we're confronted with the needs of others. And at times it can be overwhelming and it can lead to us experiencing what's called compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue can result when we continually engage with the needs and suffering of others. And it can result in physical, mental and emotional exhaustion. It can cause us to withdraw from others or even blame others 
for the problems and suffering they're experiencing. Jesus never experienced compassion fatigue. When confronted with the needs of others, he never turned away or ignored them. And I don't think that's because he was superhuman. He was fully human just like us. The compassion he experienced would have been draining for him. When a woman in the crowd touched him, Jesus said that power went out from him. And that was healing power. But I'm sure that every time he had compassion, power went out from him. I think Jesus was only able to continually meet other people's needs and continue to feel compassion was because he was dependent on God. He took time out to rest. He took time out to pray to his Father and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we're to continually act with compassion towards others, we need to follow Jesus' example. We do need God's strength, but I think we also need God's wisdom. It's impossible for us to meet the needs of everyone we feel compassion for. We're finite, and so we cannot show practical compassion to everyone in need. Only God can do that. For that reason, we need to discern where and how and to whom God wants us to show compassion. Which situation this week does God want us individually to act out of compassion? Of all the people we're going to meet this coming week, to which ones does God want us to show his compassion this week? We're only called to be like God, we're not called to be God. And that's certainly good news because only he is up to the job. Only God can fully meet our needs and the needs of the whole world. We're called to be compassionate, but ultimately we serve people by pointing them to the God of all compassion, because it's only he who can meet all of our needs. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for what we have heard today. Help us not to forget, but to apply it to our lives. Thank you that we live in a country where we can have easy access to your word. Help us not to take that for granted. We pray for our country. We thank you for the elections on Thursday, and we pray for peace as the results are announced. Please help those stepping into new roles, those stepping down and for a good transition. We pray for wisdom for the government as they lead the country, for all the decisions that need to be made. We pray especially at the moment for wisdom in the decisions regarding the easing of lockdown. We pray for the world. We pray particularly for India in the midst of another wave of coronavirus. We pray for the frontline workers trying desperately to help those who need it with limited supplies. We pray for provision and we thank you for the emergency supplies already on their way. We pray that they would arrive and be used where they are needed most. We pray for the government as they seek to bring this wave of the virus under control. Please give them wisdom and guidance. We pray for our church. We thank you that despite the restrictions, we have still been able to meet virtually. We thank you that the church building is now open and we are able to be back in the building. We pray for continued wisdom and guidance for those making decisions as more and more activities start up again. We pray for those in our church who may be finding life difficult at the moment. Please comfort them. We also pray that you would bring healing to those who need it. Help us to look out for one another and give us wisdom to know how to support each other during this time. 
and help us this week to bring your light to the different places we go and to the different people we meet. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's finish our time together now with the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord look kindly on us and give us his peace. Amen. God bless you in the week ahead and bye for now.